It's Nick here, and you're listening to Wilnoch Radio on CFUV 101.9 FM. Within the hour, you will hear percentage voices, songs, stories, and art. The Native Students' Union is for and run by Indigenous students. Our space includes a lounge, computers, printing, a phone, and lunchroom. Stop by the UVic Student Union Building, room B023, from 9am to 9pm, Monday to Saturday, or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the handle UVicNSU, or our website, uvicnsu.ca, to stay up to date on upcoming social or cultural events. All right, it's Quachel Hela. It's Nick here again for Will No Radio. Yeah, how are you guys doing? <laughs> Today's episode, I have I called the segment Will No in the Radio or Will No in the Workplace. So yeah, I, I interview um, indigenous, different indigenous people in different workplaces or different career paths. And then later in the episode two, I'll do a reading from our Sanich 13 Moons book, because right now we are in Chenhanan, the Chenhanan moon. So I'll do a reading from that later in the hour. But yeah, first I have an interview with Indigenous chef Shirley Lang, who runs the Kitchens of Distinction, and also Indigenous clothing and apparel designer Char Wilson, and um, Indigenous registered nurse Stephanie McMahon, and Indigenous teacher uh, Jacqueline Jim. So these ladies, yeah, have all taken different career paths. I kind of thought of this segment at the beginning of the summer when I first started. I thought it would be a cool segment segment to kind of just show different Indigenous people um, working in different fields of work. I reached out to other people, but they were um, busy. But here is the interview with the four ladies. I hope you enjoy. My spirit name is Kagakshi, which means Festival of the Raven. I'm Cree Métis heritage, and I was raised in Alberta. My traditional name is Shirley Lang. I'm a chef here in Victoria now, loving every minute of, of it. <laughs> so it's great here. It's beautiful country, and I just want to thank the Coast Salish people for allowing me to live and love and play and work in their traditional territory. Amasa, Hello, my name is Wilbun. I'm from the Gitsan Nishka territories, and uh, my given name is Char Wilson, and I currently live in Victoria, BC. I consider myself a apparel design artist for Finaware, and I forgot uh, one of the first one things that I'd like to say f- to start off with is to acknowledge the beautiful territories that we're uh, recording on today. Hi, my name is Stephanie McMahon. My traditional name is Nachwik. I am a registered nurse. I work in community as well as I work on a complex surgery unit. I am from Sonimok First Nations. My grandmother is from Nechanath and my grandfather is from Musqueam. Jacqueline Jimthana Snatch is a lot of Snatch. So my name is Jacqueline Jim. I'm a Sanchathan immersion teacher at Lanongit School Out, our Sanchathan survival school. And in the upcoming school year, I will be teaching in our immersion preschool. And I am from Husaitnich. I am from the Sanich Peninsula, the Husaitkum people, Husaitkum First Nation. What inspired you to get into this career? What inspired me? Well, 
This goes back to when I was like eight years old. I grew up in a very large working farm in Alberta, as I said, and so we had everything, every kind of animal and gardens and wheats and you know fields of everything. It was fantastic. Although as a child, I hated it because I had to work all the time and couldn't go on holidays. <laughs> but um, I always baked when I was young and that was my passion is baking. The cooking my mom taught me and my grandma taught me a little bit later in life, uh, or in my young life, in order to uh, cook for all the hired hands, because at one point we had like 12 hired hands and mom and dad were in the field. And so it's just been in my, as they say, in your blood. I love food. And when I lived in Toronto, I was able to travel the world, never leave the city. And I just, I'm a culinary explorer, I guess you'd say. I absolutely love food. And so I would continuously try different foods and different flavors and different spices, get people to teach me. So I've, I've got many traditional folk who have taught me how to, to cook their traditional food authentically. Yeah. And that's from different cultures like Moroccan, some Persian, uh, some Lebanese. But when I came out here to BC, I started uh, meeting people who knew how to forage. So I hired a young lady, Tabitha Jones, and she's a um, ethnobotanist. And so she forages for me. And from that, I have done a lot of traditional foods, native foods, mixed in with my global cuisine. So what has inspired me throughout all of this was my clients, because I, I don't have a traditional chefing, you know, red seal. Uh, everything I have learned from other chefs who've been very big supporters here for me, Steve Walker Duncan, Tom Corliss, and I've been able to, uh, as I said, just have the knack. I know how to really blend flavors, and it's just, it's like a passion. It's almost a meditative passion. I started Finaware. Well, I started Chapashar, then it grew into Finaware. So in 2012, I saw these flip-flops. And a little further back, I used to be in finance and I used to be a lot of things with, with a lot of First Nations in BC. And then tragedy hit my family in 2009 and I lost my son, Jordan, and into a car accident in a tragic, tragic way. And so that kind of put a stop on everything. So I didn't know what to do. I, that part of my brain didn't work anymore because my work was all logic and nothing was logical about losing my son at the time. So I, I couldn't do that work. And then I saw these flip-flops in 2012, so that was three years later, and I love them. They had a frog. I'm frog. I'm Ganetta. I'm from Wolpsladach uh, in Gitsan territory. So I was like, oh, I love those. I just simply love them, and so I took everything I had and bought flip-flops. Took all my money out of the bank, which wasn't much. <laughs> and, I, and I bought flip-flops and sold them on Facebook. And they sold in one day. And I was very like, wow, what, what happened? It was pretty amazing. And so I continued doing that. But then the business part of my brain started to kick in. And I wanted to cut out the middle person. So I started looking into how this happened, how sublimation works, how transfer works, how heat press vinyl works, and how to put you know graphics onto uh, textiles and products. So out of that I taught myself how to use Illustrator and illustrate with graphic design and create vectors and I also taught myself how to use Photoshop so that's a combination of how I get the designs onto clothing onto Finaware the Finaware apparel now that I have so that's kind of the start of it it's like like a real fast nutshell in 2012 I didn't know how to draw and I really only created my first piece of art four or five years ago so in between the span of four years to now I've brought it to where it is now so it 
it, it was quite a fast climb. I think that, you know, if you're passionate about something and you just laser focus on what, what you want and what makes you happy. For me, each piece that I draw has a story. So I'm passionate about the story and I'm really in spirit. I call it in spirit when I'm drawing. Um, I just don't hear. Sometimes I would create something, wake up at four in the morning and draw till like 12 at night and not stop. And that rarely eat during that time. And it's just coming out of my hands. So it's kind of, it was a healing. It was a healing thing for me. And so the healing thing turned into a more passionate thing. And I'm getting better and better as each drawing comes out. What inspired me to become a nurse? When I was 16 years old, I was able to get a summer job working in my community health center. And during that time, I was able to work one-on-one with a community nurse who was non-First Nations. Being able to work with her, she was able to explain to me the need to have Indigenous nurses in community and just how beneficial it would be not only for community members, but just overall everyone working within the healthcare field. So that kind of was my starting point of looking into healthcare and my inspiration to becoming a registered nurse. I became a teacher at a very young age. I was the oldest in my household um, of four sisters. There were four girls in the house and I was the oldest so I was um, teaching my younger sisters before I knew that I was a teacher and then I had a lot of support and guidance from teachers in my school uh, to encourage me to become a teacher and so I pursued a degree in education and wanted to give back to my community and so came back to my community and became a teacher at our local school. How long have you been in this field of work? I would say I've had my company now for 18 years. Uh, At the beginning I had another chef work with me and now I have other chefs work with me at certain times whenever I have big events. In this field of work, designing apparel, really only, I would say, four years. My first piece, I wouldn't count it really as art because it was pretty <laughs> it was pretty bad, but that didn't stop me. <laughs> I kept going. So I would say I started off doing T-shirts. So I would design T-shirts and some clothing. I'd put some like dresses. I would put almost like applique work, but I used heat press vinyl. But then I started really doing the graphic art probably about three years ago to put it on clothing. And I started, you know, researching and finding where I could make the product in Canada. So it's 100% Canadian made. And even the fabric is milled in Canada. It was hard to do, but it was one of the things that that I wanted to do because I'm really passionate about um, authentic Indigenous. I really want to push that. So I've been working in healthcare in different aspects for about seven or eight years. I've had numerous positions throughout different fields, whether it be in the office as well in long-term care facilities. I've been working as a registered nurse for a year and a half now, and I've started working as a community health nurse for the last six months in two First Nations communities. I've been teaching now for six years. I worked uh, three years in the public school system for School District 63 at Brentwood Elementary, and I've now been at Thelnok Tribal School for three years. Just finished teaching my third year. What are some of the challenges you had to overcome with being in this field of work? Well, at the very beginning, it was knowledge. <laughs> I, I would take on jobs, especially at the Friendship Center, uh, Victoria Native Friendship Center. They'd hire me to do these big events. And I'd go, okay, yes, I'll do it. And then be shocked and not know what to do. Yeah. So I'd call on Steve Walker Duncan, as I said, and Tom Corliss. And I'd say, okay, this is what I have to do. How, how, what, do what do I have to do? Uh, teach me. And so those were my learning 
experiences at that time, just saying, yes, I know I can do it. And then asking the people who are specialists to help me out and mentor me. Mentorship is huge. One of the, the biggest challenges is that there are very few people like me who look like me in this industry. There are very few First Nations graphic artists. I noticed that there, there are a few now that are coming up and there, there's a whole bunch of us across Canada who are like have little tiny little camps. And I think that, you know, now that's the challenge. At first, the challenge was I had nobody to teach me. So I had to teach myself. I took an online course to teach myself and I struggled, like I said, you know, sit at the computer teaching myself how to use Illustrator for hours and hours and hours at end. And, and so that was one of the struggles. And then I hired somebody to teach me Illustrator. And then I had to teach myself form design and I didn't want to just start drawing art and just put it on a piece of paper. I wanted to understand why it was there. And one of the things that I learned was, you know, that in and of itself is hard to do too because you can't, it's hard to find that information out because there are very few books on Gitsan Formline. Mm -hmm. So what I've learned is very amazing actually that the Formline that I draw with now was vetted thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago by the chiefs. You know, mm -hmm. it was a special thing to have that ovoid. So now, in addition to drawing, one of the things, the challenges is to maintain and preserve our art form as it was thousands and thousands of years ago. And so that's one of the challenges. And the challenge, I guess, too, is funding and finding money or finding people to invest into your business. That's mm -hmm. another challenge as well. Some of the challenges that I've had to face and overcome becoming a registered nurse is I've had a lot of personal things that I've had to overcome, which includes just some addictions in my family, as well loss of family members throughout my schooling. Challenges that I faced in school was, I think a lot of Indigenous students face would be um, discrimination. Just feeling kind of out of place coming from a smaller community, it's really hard to, to kind of come and fit in with a school that's not really geared for Indigenous students. I've had some issues with instructors making comments stating that my background wasn't as high as it should be or it wasn't where it needed to be to be able to become a nurse. So those things were really difficult to overcome. But, uh, you know, just having my family support me, I was able to overcome it and really kind of pull through and, and kind of show everyone wrong that I was able to kind of do what I want to do and follow my dreams. As a nurse now, I think one of the most difficult things I face working in hospital is the Western point of view for care. Being Indigenous, we usually and have learned our whole lives how to be more holistic and more relational and look at our health in a different way. And working in hospital, it's so skill and it's so scientific that we tend to overlook our holistic part of care for clients. And I think that's really difficult because we're people that talk and we learn to overcome things through stories and through our communities. And, and we never give, I feel, people enough time to really discuss their issues that they're facing. And once we are able to give them that time, I find that we're able to find out a lot more about people and really help them not only with their health, but their overall just life in general. The biggest challenge for me is uh, learning Centrothan language alongside teaching. So in a unique position that I was not a fluent speaker of the Centrothan language. Um, I was not a fluent Centrothan speaking person before working in immersion. I was an apprentice underneath another second language speaker. 
learning the language from that teacher in her classroom as her education assistant before then being given my own classroom to teach and I continued with uh, mentors in my own classroom to help me to learn the language alongside teaching the young students that I had in my class. So that was a very steep learning curve that I'm still experiencing to a lesser effect. Do you have any inspiring words for any of the listeners who maybe want to follow in your footsteps and do what you're doing? Well, the chefing world is quite difficult and Mm -hmm. it's historically one of a lot of abuse in the back end in the kitchens. If you have a passion though for it and you really love it, stick it out and but do not let anybody abuse you verbally or physically or any other way. Keep your head down, really work hard on it and really learn. And when people criticize you, don't take it personally. Make sure that it's a criticism. Use that criticism to to get better, to look at yourself and say, maybe that person's right. Or if not, then that's okay too. Mm-hmm. You know, you know in your own self uh, whether or not that person has merit in what they're saying, yeah. in their criticism. So just keep passionate about it and, and always keep searching and learning. That's really important in the, in the chefing, uh, in the culinary world, because there's so much to learn. And I mean, we can never know it all ever. And whatever you need to, the other thing is get a mentor and find someone who you really respect and have them work with you on whatever it is you need help with. I find that to be the most important thing. When I first moved here to um, Victoria, the first thing I did was look for a mentor to help me. And it not only opened doors for me, but I learned so much. And I think it's really, really important to do that. Because as I said, we don't know it all. (laughs) The one thing that I've learned is that you can set about your daily routine wanting something and dreaming about stuff. And that's the first step in moving forward. Then in order to get from where you are to where you want to be, you must then act. And then you've got to do The words that I would give to somebody who wants to do what I do is to just listen to your own voice and not hear what other people have to say to you because quite a few times I was told that, oh, you can't do that. Or even by our own First Nations people, I was told that you can't draw that. Or where did you come from? (laughs) You know, that kind (laughs) of thing, that lateral violence. So it's just like early on, I decided just to put the blinders on, surround myself with people who support you and love you, and then just keep going forward and just don't listen to the noise and don't sweat the minutia. Like forget about the minutia because there's so much of it. Another thing is, is to reach out. That's what I did. I just started reaching out and I started saying what I wanted, say, I want you to help me. And a lot of times they didn't help me, but that's okay. You know, I, and then I studied their work. And also, I think that once you start going forward, and if you start picking up momentum, don't be afraid of what happens, because it's supposed to happen is what I feel, you know, for example, like I told you before the segment is that <clears throat> I started this in 2012 with Shopashar, then I moved to Finaware in 2017, then I launched it. And then in March, I was pitching to a show. And then in April, I flew to Toronto. And then I actually recorded the show. And, uh, and things have just been moving at a steady pace. And sometimes I feel like, whoa, slow down. But I what I wanted, I set out a few years ago, and it's now finally happening. So I have to 
accept that I, I asked for this and I have to go with it. So mm-hmm. I think that once you set your intention and then you focus on it, then when it starts happening, just enjoy the ride. Now there's lots of people to help. So if somebody wanted to be a graphic artist, the first thing I would do is, is start teaching yourself the basics. That's what I did. You know, I went online. I did research. I spoke to other graphic artists. I put out the money because my band wouldn't cover or I, there's no education funds for taking an online course from the, I think it was the College of Rockies that I did my <laughs> illustrator course. <laughs> and then I hired somebody downtown to teach me. And so I had to put some money out and I had to invest in myself too. So don't mm-hmm. be afraid to invest in yourself because you're the best investment you can make. I do. I think my biggest thing is just just to keep pushing no matter what. Don't ever let your whole choice of you know going to school by a letter grade change your dreams. Like I had plenty of times where I failed tests and it definitely really gets to you, but just to keep pushing through, looking for supports within the school. There's a lot of very supportive people in schools that you may not know right away are there as well. You know, just to use your own strength to push yourself to continue. It's definitely not an easy career and I find it's very heavy at times, especially working in community. You take a lot of it home and it can be challenging in those sense too, but I just keep pushing and really take care of yourself and and know that you're you're worth it and um to keep moving forward. My advice is to learn your language, no matter what level that you're at, no matter um, how hard it might be, but to reach out to an elder or a teacher or a friend, uh, use the internet, you know, use whatever resources you have available to you to learn the language, practice the language, stay in immersion and uh, share what you know with uh, your friends and family. And that's what I try to live by. And I hope to see more people involved in language work in in my lifetime. Where can people find you if they want to support you? Kitchensofdistinction.ca or you can email me at chef at kitchensofdistinction.ca. Oh, thank you for asking that. I totally forgot. Um, You can find FinaWare online, www.fina.com wear.ca so finaware.ca or else you can find me on facebook or any of the social media at finaware f-i-n-a-w-e-a-r and if you search the hashtag finaware you'll find me you'll find one of my posts and and then just send me a message i have my first retail yay <laughs> in prince rupert bc so i'll notify everybody via my my web page it'll be on my web page and uh, for anybody who is interested in this definitely give me a call send me an email I'll be glad to help out I've received emails from as far away from as New York so far from people wanting to do this do what I do but just don't know how to get into it hi Shkasiam CEM uh, Shirley Shar Stephanie and Jacqueline uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that segment we'll know in the radio so that just translates to indigenous in the radio I mean no <laughs> what am I talking about no we'll know in the workplace is what the segment is called, We'll Know in the Workplace. And yeah, that's what We'll Know translates to Indigenous in the Workplace. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed that segment. It kind of came to me one night. I was like, this would be a great idea. Chef Shirley Lang, I met her when I did a 
introduction to culinary arts program through Camosun a few years ago. So that's how I got that connection. And so I reached out to her and asked if she'd do this. And she kindly accepted. And Char Wilson, I followed her Shop with Char Facebook page. And then I followed her journey to Finaware. So I've been like following her ever since. And Stephanie, we have a mutual friend um, who is actually Jacqueline. So that's how we kind of met and I reached out and asked if she'd be a part of this segment and Jacqueline Jim is one of my good friends and um, yeah I'm really thankful and happy with the answers they had for the questions it was a really great segment and also up next we have a little bit of calendar or upcoming community events August 15th 2018 is bead by bead Beading Circle with Lindsay Delaronde from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at Open Space, which is at 510 Fort Street on the second floor. BYOB, bring your own beads to start a project, finish a project, or just sit in a circle and share stories. Bead by Bead is a four-session circle hosted at Open Space by Aboriginal curator Lindsay Delaronde. We will come together and share techniques, ideas, and good laughs. Beading is our way of telling story, is our way to tell stories, to come back into grounding and focus. As an activity, it is therapeutic and healing, and has strong ties to our cultural ways of knowing and understanding who we are as Indigenous people. All welcome. Come to one or all of our sessions. Some materials and snacks will be provided. Open Space respectfully acknowledges that we are on unceded First Nations territory. The city of Victoria and the surrounding areas lie on the traditional territories of the Coast Salish and Lekwungen speaking people, including the Esquimalt, Songhees, and Husainich First Nations. Open Space is not wheelchair accessible and is accessed by a flight of 23 stairs. There are two gender-inclusive washrooms, one multi-stall and one single stall with a urinal. If you have any other questions or concerns in regards to accessibility, please contact at office at openspace.ca. So that is tomorrow evening with Lindsay Delaron at Open Space. Uh, that sounds like a good time. That's the second session. First session was last week, and then it will be every Wednesday. So after tomorrow, there's so altogether there's three more left, um, including tomorrow. And August 16th and 17th is drum making at the Victoria Native Friendship Center. On the 16th, it will be from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. And on the 17th, it will be, it'll be at 10 a.m. to 11.30, 11.30 a.m. Over two sessions, learn about the teachings of the drum and using buffalo hide. We will make a 12-inch hand drum and a stick to go with it. Light snacks provided. To register, call Sarah Underdown at 250-384-3211. And this Friday, August 17th, 2018, is Movie Under the Quilosan, which translates to Movie Under the Stars. At 8.30 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. at the Sayout Soccer slash Baseball Field, Project Reclaim is co-hosting an event with the Sayout First Nation Youth Group for an outdoor movie night on Friday, August 17th, 2018. Join us for a viewing of the movie Rumble, The Indians Who Rocked the World, a music documentary. Filmmaker Catherine Bainbridge examines the role of Native Americans in contemporary music history. She exposes a critical missing chapter revealing how Indigenous musicians helped influence popular culture. So if my Sandwich people get a chance, go check that out. I saw the trailer for that movie. It looks like a pretty good documentary. Um, there's some like great rockers in there. Like I saw Steven Tyler and... Uh, it's the only person I remember, but there's a lot of big other rock stars in it who are, yeah, talking about Native American rock stars from way back in the day. That sounds like 
yeah, it looks like a good movie. That is all I have for community events for today. Uh, a few episodes ago, I shared the Chantaki moon. That's the Husayna moon that we were in at that time. And um, so that was a little bit of a reading for that. And right now, I will share where in the new moon our Husayna people are the Chanhanan moon. Yeah, here it is from our 13 moons book that we kind of, our Husayna people follow. And here it is, the Chanhanan moon. Chanhanan. The humpback salmon returned to the earth. This moon marks the coming of the humpback salmon. Weather for the Chanhanan moon. This is the dry weather season, drier than the interior of Canada. Although a good season for drying salmon, stale, the grass in the forest is parched and all must be careful of grass and bushfires. Economic activities. This is the season for humpback salmon fishing. Fishing caused us to extend our territories. For example, we carried out a reef net fishery at Sawasin and Point Roberts and the mainland shore camps there. Cultural activities. The success of the salmon fishery enabled those fortunate to celebrate and share their success with others. This season was especially marked by large family, village, and neighboring village gatherings, including gatherings where traditional sports were held. This was a time to reaffirm family ties and history and hold other gatherings as well. These included Slanic memorial potlatches, namings, weddings, society ceremonies such as like blessings. Potlatching enabled the more fortunate to share and distribute goods with those less fortunate than themselves. To become wealthy was honorable, and to share one's wealth with one's neighbors was a traditional expression of Sanich values. That was a reading from our Sanich Skelch, our, our Sanich Moon, um, Chinhanan, and that is in this, well, that's what moon we're in right now. So there, there you go. I thought I'd share while I was on the show two of the 13 moons that we have. Hearing strange sounds coming out of the basement of the student union building? It's CFUV. Make your way down the stairs, learn how to live broadcast, and host your own radio program. Check out our website, cfuv.ca, for more information on how to get involved. Line the bear, the fox, and you're listening to She's with the Band on 101.9. This is Miss You're listening to She's with the Band. Oh, my name's Ryan McMahon. Join Alana and Bill here every Sunday night at 7 p.m. on She's with the Band. Let us be the soundtrack to your Sunday night, always featuring the best and underrepresented Canadian female content. Yeah, so guess what? That is all for me for the hour for Will No Radio. I really enjoyed putting this episode together and um, yeah, I enjoyed having Shirley, Shar, Steph and Jacqueline on the show. I hope you guys enjoyed the segment too and the rest of the episode. And guess what again? Um, <laughs> next week is going to be my last episode for Will Know Radio. So if you, so tune in next week. Yeah, I have some good stuff lined up and um it's been a fast summer. 
Yeah, I really enjoyed putting these episodes and segments together for CFUV. And also, if you missed any other previous Huil no Radio episodes, you can check them out at cfuvpodcasts.com or search CFUV on SoundCloud and go to the Huil no Radio playlist. And that's where all the other previous five episodes are. And um, yeah, like I said, that's it, it for me for the hour. And keep listening to other CFUV programming. We've got some pretty great shows on and some awesome volunteers coming in and out of the office here, or studio here. 